I get to announce uh, or just reintroduce, because he's familiar to us already, a good friend, uh, one of my favorite speakers. Uh, Brad Hubert's going to come and, and share today. And I, I gave Brad free reign. So we're, we're hitting pause on our series. So if you've been reading in the book of Acts, great. We'll start again next week. Um, but uh, <laughs> I said, Brad, uh, I know the Lord's been putting a word on your heart. Come share that with our church. I know you'll be blessed. You, you brought uh, a fan section, so that's great. Uh, but let's, let's pray for you. And then church, well, I look forward to, to hearing from you as well. You get my Bible, so there's extra authority. Um, there you go. That's a lot of pressure. <laughs> this morning I've been saying all the wrong things. So it's just... <laughs> All right, so Father, thank you for Brad. He's a wonderful friend, and you've gifted him greatly to teach. Mm. And Lord, in a way that's applicable for, for those who have been walking with you a long time and those who have never yet met you or heard of you. So Lord, I pray for, for that entire spectrum that is represented in this room. Mm-hmm. Would you speak to our hearts, Holy Spirit, and, and give great mm. strength and clarity to Brad's thoughts. Thank you that we can gather in freedom today. And Jesus, we pray for all those things that we know are pressing for your church around the globe today, mm-hmm. that, that you will be faithful, yet you are faithful to build your church. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Thanks, buddy. Good morning, Mission Hill. It's really good to be back with you. Um, for those of you who haven't met me, please come and introduce yourself afterwards if, if I'm new. Uh, I would love to, to get to know you. It's always a treat to be here. We were just sitting over there talking about how friendly Mission Hill is. That's huge. I said to Shauna, there's, this, there's a healthy buzz. There's an energy in the room. And, and it's not present in all churches, just so you know. So good, good on you for that. Um, that said, it is my joy to introduce, to welcome you to 2023. So um, how, how many of you have ever, have any of you ever felt in the, in the last few months that you're kind of afraid to check your phone in the morning to see what else is on fire? Does that ever happen to you? Like you're thinking, what, like, to, yes, can I get a witness? So I, I remember going, like just opening my phone going, what's burning down? If I like to go there, it's probably burning down. That's probably what's happening. But in all seriousness, we've had catastrophic floods and earthquakes, tens of thousands of people passing away in various ways, losing probably tens of thousands of homes throughout the world. It's, it's been nuts like just what is going on and that's just nature like i don't i don't know if you've picked it up probably you have but since covid it's like we've forgot how to human that's why it was so nice to just feel the buzz in the room like oh people who know how to human so thank you for that but but really have you found yourself since since the covid times have have you found yourself kind of walking on eggshells with people that you used to be comfortable with like you don't know like are we oh you hear someone having a political conversation and you're like oh i guess we're talking about paul okay no we're not okay good it, perfect so you're doing that i'm not allowed perfect and then and then there's so many different topics that that just suddenly become taboo and trigger new trigger words and I find myself, I don't know if you found this way, but I've been kind of saying, God, how, how do I position myself 
as a follower of Jesus in this world gone mad? Like, have you ever asked yourself a question kind of like that recently? Just like, how do I posture myself? How do I, how do I approach people who don't know Jesus, and even some who do, that I just, I don't know what to do with you, y'all, anymore. And so what I want to talk about today is how God might want to just reposition us, reposture us, so that we can re-engage with confidence in the world that needs him so desperately, and quite frankly, needs us to figure out how to position ourselves and posture ourselves to share Christ with them. Um, when it comes to posturing ourselves, I think the most fundamental place to start, and you're going to roll your eyes, you're going to go, this is such a pastor thing to say, but it's true, is, is to, to circle back to our identity in Christ. This is where we start. And, and the, the very core of our identity with Christ comes from how he sees us. How we're connected to him is our ultimate identity. So when I put my faith in Jesus, I'm redeemed by him, I'm saved by him, and I become God's child. That's the core of who I am. That's the core of my identity, and you know this. But that sense of being God's child, of being the object of his affection... The, the one he came to save, the, the, the lost one who's been redeemed, that, that gives me my sense of belonging in the world. It gives me my sense of security in the world. No matter what else happens, no matter what else burns down or, or, or gets knocked over or whatever happens, whatever happens in the world with politics, who gets elected or indicted, it doesn't matter in a sense because I'm his. I'm, I'm his son. I'm his boy. And I've got so many responsibilities on my shoulders as an adult, but I love the fact that with the father, I'm, I'm just his boy. That's it. That's all I am. That's my sense of security. But my identity in Christ is not just about what I, or who I am, it's about what I am. Who I am gives me my sense of security It gives me my sense of belonging, but what I am gives me my sense of purpose and mission. For example, Jesus said that we are the salt of the earth and the light of the world. What we are is a crucial part of our identity. It's not as core as who we are. That's where it starts. But what we are then shapes our identity in terms of mission. Now, I've got a pen here with me. I would love to say it's a Jiffy marker, but it's not. It's from the dollar store, so it's a jumbo marker. (laughs) Little, little ad there. Doesn't work as well either, but, you know, it does the job. Now, I've already kind of identified, given this a name, I've said it's a jumbo marker, it's a Jiffy marker, but if I asked you, what does this do? What would you say? It writes. Okay, so we're on the same page. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So... It writes, so I'm going to write something here. Can you read that? Can you say it with me? Dude. Can you say it like a surfer? Dude. Okay, so congratulations, you're now a surfing church. It's great, you have a ministry to surfers. But do you realize what just happened? I mean, yes, this, this pen just wrote. 
It dispensed ink. But is that all that happened? Do you know what this pen just did? It, it became a tool in my hands where something in my mind became tangible. That's really what this does. It, it becomes a tool in people's hands, and I could draw a picture, I could do all kinds of things with it, but this, the purpose of this pen is, de- is defined by how it's made. It's designed to dispense ink in such a way that I can take what's invisible and make it visible. That's what it does. And that's what we do. So, in the same way that this pen took things that are invisible and made them visible, I want to make the case that this is exactly how you and I have been designed by God. I want to put this down here for a second. And you can tell by how we're designed. Just like you can look at this pen and see how it's designed tells you what it's for, that the ink comes out of this side, not this side, unless it leaks, in which case it's not functioning properly. In the same way, how God made us shows us what we're for, how he wants to use us, and then that can give us a clue about how he wants to position us in the world. So, uh, I, as far as I know, human beings are the only creatures in all of creation that possess a body, a soul, and a spirit. You might say, oh, the spirit and the soul, same thing. No, theologically, it's different. They're used side by side very often as distinct things. A body, a soul, and a spirit. Now, interestingly enough, when the Bible lists them together, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, God flips it. See, I think of myself as body, soul, and spirit, but when God lists it, he says spirit, soul, and body, and that's intentional because it tells you something about the flow of what we're designed for. Now, if I asked you, what is my body for, what would you say? Trick question, no. Here, I'll help you out. It's to interact with the physical world. My body is my interface with the spiritual world. So I can taste things, I can touch things. God made me to traverse the physical terrain of this world. What's my spirit for? We often talk about what a spirit is, but what, what's it for, the human spirit? It's the spiritual part of me. It's how I connect with spiritual things. The spiritual realm. And we have to be very careful, the Bible says, which spirit we connect with. That's why there's a danger. It's because my spirit is designed to interface with spirit. So be very careful which spirit, that it's only the Holy Spirit that we're connecting with and not any other spirit of any other kind. Right? So if that's what my spirit's for, that's what my body's for, what's my soul for? My soul, theologians would mostly agree, is comprised of some union or more than the sum of the parts of our, our mind, will, and emotions. Mind, will, and emotions. So if, if I have got a mind, will, and emotions sitting sort of between my spirit and my body, what's my soul for? It's just utilitarian. It's to connect my spirit with my body. So, so God gives me something spiritually, and through my mind, I apprehend that, or I read it through scripture, and, and I take hold of it, and with my will, I press myself into action, let's say, and I pick up this apple. So it's my job. The job of my soul is similar to what this pen does. 
It takes these intangible realities that God is giving me and helps me put flesh around them. And you can see this all the way through creation. This is how we are designed. This is what you're designed to do. We are designed to take hold of the spiritual things God is giving us and turn them into flesh. Now, another way of talking about this, Julie could tell you, is what, what I just did is I transposed. I transposed something intangible into something tangible. Uh, she would trans- transpose music from one key to another or something written for piano to something written for trumpet, let's say. But we are transposition machines. That's what we do. Now, what you can say then is that we are the place, God has designed us to be the place where the invisible becomes visible, where the intangible becomes tangible, where the spiritual takes on flesh. Now, if if this is true, and it is, then you would expect to find this throughout the scriptures in all kinds of different ways. Said, you know, one way here, another way here, and all kinds of different imagery all leading the same direction. And you do. So how has Jesus instructed us to pray? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom, mm, come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What is my prayer? It's a means by which those heavenly realities of the Father become a cup of cold water for someone in need, a hug, an encouragement, a prophetic word, whatever it is. That's what's going on. Um, You could say there's a class going on uh, in the other room before the service, and they were talking about spiritual gifts. What's a spiritual gift? We're going to get into that a little bit today. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 4, says that a spiritual gift is a manifestation, oh, of the Spirit given for the common good. It's taking something that God gives us intangibly and using it tangibly to serve someone else. That's what's going on. Now, probably the clearest place in Scripture that I see this principle illustrated is in John chapter 15 when we're talking about the vine and the branches. So Jesus says, each of... Oh, I just went a little too far. There we go. I am the vine, you are the branches. And... I'd like to illustrate John chapter 15 right now, if we could. So can I get a volunteer? Someone could just join me right up here. I won't embarrass you beyond repair. No, I will, <laughs> I will not embarrass you, I promise. While you're thinking about that, I'm going to wait for a volunteer. So just say, uh, okay. Oh, oh, wait. Uh, you're going to do... How about... Okay. <laughs> This will not get that scary, I promise you. All right, so here's what I'd like you to do with me, okay? Can you come stand over here? And I want you to hold this apple in this hand out like this. And with this hand, I want you to pretend that you're holding hands with Jesus, okay? All right, so we're going to pretend Jesus is here. So Jesus says, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit, So let me ask you a question. Is Jesus visible? No. Is the branch visible? Yeah. Is the fruit visible? 
Yes. And I'm going to just hone in on here. Sometimes people go, well, not all fruit's visible, Pastor Brad. Oh, come on. So send your husband to the farmer's market, and he'll come home with a basket full of nothing for 35 bucks. And you're like, where's the fruit? He goes, oh, no, not all fruit's visible, honey. Ooh, tasty, right? Like, and you're like, you, you need help. You need, you need help. All fruit is visible. That's kind of the point. If you love somebody, that's visible. It, it, joy is visible. Someone coming to Christ is visible. Deliverance is visible. Healing is visible. Sorry. A marriage coming together is visible. So you're doing a great job, by the way. So what we've got, what we've got here is we've got an illustration of how the vine and the branches actually work. So what, what Jesus is saying is, I'm with you, and you're actually connected to me. And I am going to pour my life, my, the life of the vine, through you. And somehow, mysteriously, we don't understand how, but if the, if the analogy is true, and it is, Jesus said it, what Jesus gives us becomes visible when we grab hold of it. And it becomes visible when we do something with it, when we give away what Jesus has given us. So you can see it right here. We are the place where the invisible becomes visible, where the spiritual becomes tangible, where a little slice of heaven, even just for a little bit, shows up here on earth. Now, thank you very much. You can keep the apple. I'm sorry it's not a chocolate bar. Okay. All right. <laughs> Parents are like, I'm not. <laughs> okay. So, so we, we, we see that principle very, very clearly. Now, some of you might be going, oh, okay, that's, that was a really vivid, but now that she's not standing here, I don't get it anymore. Like, what does that actually mean? Like, how do I, well, I want to tell you that, that when I pray for people, and maybe you pray for someone too, how many of you have ever just instinctively put a hand on the shoulder? We're, we're actually commanded in scripture to lay hands on each other and pray for each other. That's not just symbolic, it, but it helps us understand, and I don't know if this is exactly how it works. All I know is it's the image Jesus gave me, and I'm running with it. That's all I know, is that I actually picture, when I'm praying for someone, this exact thing. I actually picture I'm holding hands with Jesus, and he is flowing through me into this other person. Again, I don't know if that's it, but I think he likes it when I run with his imagery. <laughs> And so, and I've seen God heal lots of different people, and so, I, and I don't know what I'm doing, so I think Jesus is onto something because he's the truth, quite frankly, so we should just agree with him. He's always right, and we're, we're always wrong. Now, Peter actually picks up on this image in a scripture I want to unpack next. And Peter says in 1 Peter 4, verse 10, and this is where it, it connects with what y'all have been studying, um, he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. That word gift there is charisma or something close to that. And it's, the, it's where we get that, that word charisma, but it's also what we call a spiritual gift, right? So he says, each of you should use whatever gift you have received. Now, is, is that gift visible? Nope. To serve others, is that visible? Yes. Do you see the pattern? God's giving me things that he intends me to put to use in the real world. That's what's really going on. But here's the statement I want to focus on. As faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. As faithful stewards. What does that mean? First of all, we should talk about grace. Because sometimes when we think of grace, we only think of salvation. 
It's by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one should boast. Amen. Right? Amen. But God's grace is his unmerited favor poured out not just for my salvation, but for my strengthening, for my empowering, for my inspiration. It's the, it's the air I breathe as a Christian. Everything that happens in my life is by grace through faith. Everything. And so he's saying we, we need to become faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. What does that mean? Now, first of all, I want to point out that you don't get to choose, if you're a believer in Jesus, you don't get to choose whether you're a steward of grace. You can choose whether you're a faithful steward of grace, but you don't get to choose whether you're stewarding grace. And the very fact that some of us are unaware of it, we're like, oh, I didn't know, means we probably haven't been entirely faithful in stewarding grace. So, so what does this mean in line with what I've been talking about today? I think it means, or involves, Stewarding grace means God gives me grace that's intended for someone else. God gives me grace that's intended for someone else. Going back to the spiritual gifts analogy, God says through his word that each one, members of his body, are given different gifts, a role in his body, and that together we minister to to each other, and that we can't say one to the other, I don't need you. Here's the reason why. Sometimes God gives me the grace I need directly. Sometimes he gives it to someone else to give to me. He deposits something. Sometimes he gives something to Bob over there that that Sally needs over here. And and Sally's going, crying out to God, and God's talking to Bob. (laughs) Going, Bob, you need to go talk to her because I've given you what she needs. This isn't Bob being, being all proud. He can't take any credit for it. It's a gift of grace. But nonetheless, if Bob doesn't get up, let's say she needs $75 and Bob's got it, this is how it needs to work, right? If he doesn't get up and do it, boom. So this is really exciting. So Paul actually uses this language throughout his ministry. Um, in, in Ephesians 3 verse 2, he's talking to the Ephesian church. He says, surely you've heard about the administration, by the way, similar to the word steward again, Surely you've heard about the administration of God's grace. Look, that was given to me for you. He clearly understands that God has given him things that aren't his. They're for someone else. And he's not a faithful steward of that grace until he's given that thing, whatever that is, to someone else. This morning we were praying about about witness and, and, and reaching out and serving each other. This is the heart of it. This is so exciting. Because when I serve someone else, it it doesn't mean that I need to come up with it inside of myself and work up some sort of thing that's valuable enough to share with someone else. It's that I'm connected to a vine of endless love and wisdom and knowledge and power and that through little old me, just a branch on the vine who couldn't do anything without him anyways, I get to pass on something of eternal value to someone else. That's exciting stuff. Very exciting stuff. Now, um... (laughs) How many of you, I'm just laughing at what comes next. Um, how many of you are going to do, when is Thanksgiving? Is it next weekend? Okay. How many of you are doing a family gathering of some sort next weekend? Ever done a family gathering? Any, anyone? Just one person's ever done? So, good. So, some of you, you're going to one for the first time. So, good. Um, 
You need to work on the truth-telling, uh, Aaron, in this church. <laughs> so, so some families are small, and, and the gatherings are small. You know, it could be just four of you at a table, and come, Lord Jesus, be our guest. And it's very, you know, sometimes it's just chaos. It's like cheaper by the dozen. You've got a Viking table at Thanksgiving with 42 different dishes, and you can't even talk to the people down at the end because there's so many people at the end. And it's so big, sometimes you're at one of these gatherings, you, you can see the turkey's like way down there. And I don't know, like, how am I going to get that? <laughs> how is that going to work? And the answer is that every family, big or small, has a passing protocol. Very important that you get it straight. You know exactly what I mean. You, 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 maybe we, we often, you know, especially Thanksgiving, we'll join hands, give thanks for the meal, amen, and everyone looks up. And this is exactly what's on everyone's mind. It's, so we're we doing uh, clockwise or counterclockwise? We're, that's, that's the next thing. That's literally what we're doing. And somebody just, okay, we're, we're going clockwise. So, so then, and the pro- protocol is, once you choose a direction, you go with that direction. Am I right? Okay, so everything's working swimmingly. I help myself to salad. Pass it on. Cranberries, cra- pass it on. Stuffing, pass it on. Um, beans, abstain. I just, <laughs> I just, it just, it just, but it works. Because everybody understands now we're moving clockwise except one moron <laughs> at the table. There's always just one. And I, I hate to say it, it's usually a guy. It usually is. Somebody doesn't understand the protocol. And everything's moving this way. And he's like decided to take the mashed potatoes upstream to die, like the salmon. Like it's just it's super awkward. And you're like, what are you doing? And, and, and the funny thing is, like, it takes a while to do a U-turn, too, before it's fixed. Because everyone's like, oh, oh, it's going different. And, and so finally, you're like, we're, we're, we're doing clockwise. Oh, oh, I didn't notice. You didn't notice. Okay, all the dishes are going this way, but you somehow, okay. So, and, and invariably, invariably, though, <laughs> at some point, at some point, this also happens. So you'll notice, you, you serve yourself, pass it on. Serve yourself. Pass it on. There's a lot of dishes, so you've got keep, to keep this up. You can't just decide, I'm done now, because <laughs> other people will starve to death. So you have to keep serving yourself, again, until Joe Guy gets to him, and he's like, well, don't mind if I do. Serves mashed potatoes, keeps it. And everyone's going, what? And then salad, keeps it. Ever just it looks like the pilgrims at you know in the first Thanksgiving he's got this cornucopia of food and delight in front of him and somebody who hasn't been served yet then will always go hey right um, how about you just help yourself there and pass that on so we don't all die you know that and oh oh I I'm sorry I didn't I didn't realize I, I, that's that's always what he says always I didn't realize I didn't see the really. 146 family gatherings now. You've not picked up on the serve yourself, pass it on thing. That's awesome. But we do this with God's grace all the time. Not just some moron, me. Thank you, Jesus, for paying the price for me. Thank you for the grace of my salvation. You going to share that? Nope. I'm kind of embarrassed. So I keep it to myself. Jesus, thank you for the peace 
that you washed over me. You going to share that? Well, no, that's for me, isn't it? Thank, thank you for the joy. Thank you for the provision. Thank you for the whatever it is, the comfort that you gave me in my hard time. And Paul, by the way, Paul says that we are to comfort other people with the comfort we have received from God. Same principle. Serve yourself, pass it on. Is it for me? Kind of. But it's not only for me. Almost, here, hmm, almost nothing you receive from God is only for you. Like, do you, do, you, <laughs> do you realize what's happening here every week? Like, and what's happening right now? You are becoming a steward of what you're now learning. Like, it's a serious thing to sit under God's word and realize, I've been given something that now I'm accountable to steward well, right? And again, this reminder, according to that scripture, that God's grace is meant to take various or tangible forms. That's how I know I'm being a faithful steward with it. Is what God's giving me taking on shape in the ways in which I serve others? If it's not, I'm the guy at the table. And this is, the, this is the reminder. Serve yourself. Thank you, Jesus, and pass it on. Pass it on, pass it on. Now, you, you might at this point be saying, cool, but that's really broad. <laughs> like, I still don't know. Like, this, like, look at the picture. There's so many different kinds of fruit. Like, how, how do I know what shape is this supposed to take? How do I know? And you know what? The Holy Spirit, writing through Peter, anticipated that exact question. Right after he says that we are to be faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms, Peter writes this. He says, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. And if anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides. Now, Peter is not a complex theologian. Paul is, Peter not so much. So he's, I could just picture him going, okay, Here's how it works. If you're wondering what shape this grace is supposed to take, it's like this. God's either going to put something in your mouth or in your hand. <laughs> He's either going to give you something to say or something to do. It, it's really not that complicated. We, we like to abstract it so that we don't know what to do next, but he's like, it's not that hard. I'm going to put an encouraging word in your mouth. I'm going to put truth in your mouth, and it's going to come out in such a way that it benefits someone else. In fact, didn't Paul say that exact thing? Yeah, he did. Ephesians 4.29, he says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. Look, but only such as is good for building up, as it's the occasion that it may give grace. And yes, that word charis is in the Greek. It's grace to those who hear. So whatever grace God has given me, he puts it into words. I speak those words, and let's say Corey receives it. Now he receives the grace that's on those words. That's what it says. And I need to be very careful with what comes out of my mouth because James would say that tells you what you're dialed into, which spring that's coming from. Again, be careful which spirit you're giving your mouth, giving your hands, your time. He also says, by the grace given me, God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, saying stuff and doing stuff. Now, I also want to say this. Don't 
get so intimidated by this concept that you forget that the perennial example Jesus used was a cup of cold water in Jesus' name. Like, it doesn't have to get spectacular. It can be as simple as giving someone a squeeze on the shoulder as, as you walk by. It can be a smile. It can be a phone call. It can be, these are all things that we can do. What, what God wants to do is he wants his grace to flow through them because we're doing it as a branch connected to the vine so that it has spiritual impact. Those little things have spiritual impact. Now, I, I have to get, I have a, I have a sense, I need to warn you. Um, I'm setting you up to put this into action before you leave. <laughs> I just need you to know that. I, I have a conviction as a, as a pastor, 35 years in the trenches, that if, if we don't do something with the word or start doing something with the word before we leave church, the chances of us doing something with it ever diminishes to almost nil. So I want to start practicing this before we leave. I'm just going to give you that heads up. Now, it can be something insignificant, seemingly, that becomes a mountain to someone else. How many of you ever received a, a tiny little gesture? Someone says something like a sticky note, thinking of you, and it changes the trajectory of your whole day. And they thought it was just a little sticky note. Oh, no, that was grace coming to you. When I was working through my burnout season, I'm still not entirely better, but you're like, no, you're not okay. Um, <clears throat> but when I was in that season, uh, after Manifest closed, eight years of, of, of loving God and trying to serve God's people, and then it closed after COVID, and I was left with, through burnout, Aaron was one of the only people in my life that took the initiative with me and pursued me, and we would just sit over coffee. He'd ask me how I was doing. Such a simple thing. That was the grace of God coming to me through one of his choice servants. That's what that was. That was not little. That was huge. I'm, I'm here today, in part, Aaron, because you were there those days. And there was nothing terribly spectacular other than he was probably busy and had other places he could have been, but chose to invest that in me instead and I just want to thank you for that and honor you for that. So that's how, that's how that can go. Now, of course, and I've, I think I've used this scripture here before, the, the other end of the spectrum, I don't want you to limit either, which is a miraculous thing can happen. Like when Peter and John walked through the temple gate and saw a guy begging, look what, look what Peter said. He said, silver and gold I do not have. So by the way, God doesn't ask you to give something you don't have. That's the first thing. But what I do have, I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk, and taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Now, is this because Peter's awesome? No, it's because God is generous, and all Peter's doing is passing the potatoes. That's all he's doing. This is not Peter's strength. It's not his, like, it's nothing. It's just, like, I'm just giving you what God gave me. What I have, I give you. That's it. That's all that's going on. So I just wanted to paint that picture. Now, um, can, you, can you do something with me? Can you humor me? If, if you're able, can you stand with me? Because I want to go through three statements, or three things as I close. Three things. 
One of them is the identity. Can you put up that last or that uh, takeaway slide? Thank you. One of them is about identity, and I, I would love you to say this out loud with me, to say, I am a steward of God's grace. Now say it again. I am a steward of God's grace. Amazing. So now we pray. Holy Spirit, show me what I've been given. And then our posture is, what I have, I give you. That's ministry in a nutshell. I am a steward of God's grace. I'm just passing the potatoes. So show me what you're giving me. And then all I do is I walk around with this this posture of what I have, I give you. What I have, I give you. Now, as you're standing, I want you to, if you can't, if you don't get dizzy, close your eyes. And I'm just going to pray a simple prayer. Father in heaven, I believe that every one of your children in this room came here this morning or have received this morning something you want them to give away to someone in this room before they leave. I'll say that a little more clearly to you guys. Every believer in Jesus in this room, I truly believe, has been given something someone in this room needs, and I believe God wants you to give it to them before they leave. So here's what I'm going to do. Holy Spirit, would you please bring to our minds now a face or a name of someone in this room? If that's the person that you would like us to reach out to. In Jesus' name. All right. And you can be seated. If God brought a name to your mind or God brought a face to your mind, I believe you're on the hook to go and talk to that person and see how you might be of service. What would it be like if everybody walked into this room every week saying, I'm a steward of grace? Holy Spirit, what, if, what have you given me? What are you giving me? And, and who is it today? Who, who do you want me to serve? And it might be serving on a team, but it might just be something personal, a connection. What, what might happen if we all lived this way? Um, as, the, as the worship team comes back up, I think there's a final song, and um, there's an opportunity to pray, and, and we'll be worshiping God. Uh, is that right, Julie? Yeah, okay. And... But here's what I also want you to do. I want you to, to ask the Holy Spirit, is this the person I'm supposed to talk to? Is this the person I'm supposed to minister to? And then go do it. Like during the song, if you need to. Um, after the song, mingle and, and go and find that person. And here's, here's a little story. I'm gonna close with this. You may not know why you're going You may not even know while you're going what you're supposed to give the person. So an easy way to bridge that gap is just stepping out and having a conversation (laughs) and and asking them what's going on with them. I, I, I preached a message very much like this one at another church, and when it came to this point in the service, in my mind, I clearly saw an image in my mind of the sound guy. It's one of the few people I talked to that morning, right? And so I... On the way there, I'm thinking, okay, I'm trying to, like, 
what am I going to pray? What am I, I'm getting all ready. And I get there. I put my hand on him and I start to pray. I said, God put you on my heart. And he's like, wait, 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 just a sec. I'm like, oh, okay. He said, when you were speaking, I was in tears because when you told your story about your church dying after eight years and then going through burnout and all the disillusionment and all of that that came out of it, he said, I realized you and I are the same because I had a business that died around the same time your church died after eight years and I'd been coming out of burnout and I had no idea, like no idea. So I put my hand on his shoulder and I I pray for the guy and I'm thinking, Jesus, only you could connect this. (laughs) So you may not even know, but here's the thing. If, If you're... If your intention is to love the person you're talking to, you can't lose. You can't lose. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the clarity of your word. I pray that this image of being a steward of grace, of being a branch in the vine, would become so clear to us and would become even clearer now as we step out in faith, as we step out and risk something and minister to each other or just give someone a hug or an encouragement, whatever it is, it would seal this word that, that we would forever learn to posture ourselves as those who are just passing the potatoes, a steward of grace, filled with the Holy Spirit, doing what God's put on our hearts to do. We love you in Jesus' name, amen.